The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. We're just trying to train every chance we get. We're just trying to make disciples and train people. Uh, and uh, if you do have, um, if you're wondering, like, for tithes and offerings, we don't really pass the plate because of COVID. There's a blue box back there. You can also text or give online um, and help us just continue to uh, minister. We just grew our foster closet upstairs, uh, which is in a little tiny room, and that thing just expanded out into three times as big. We've been helping tons of foster families, uh, people in need, all types of stuff. And so we really believe in our mission, which is to love God love people, and live like we mean it. So not just talk about it, but be about it, right? Amen? Um, so let's pray. We're going to jump in today. It is Easter, which is super exciting. I will say, before we do that, actually, yesterday we had our, our cleanup day, and um, I, had, I had Robert uh, out here working, and Robert tries to always sneak around and work quietly, so I did get pictures of Robert working, if anybody wants to see that. He avoids pictures. It's kind of like Sasquatch. Any Sasquatch believers in here? If you came from the West Coast, you believe in Sasquatch. Uh, some people call it Bigfoot, you know, the uninformed. Uh, the, the real knowledgeable ones call them Sasquatches. And uh, it's like getting a picture is really hard to do, and then you wonder if it's the real deal. I have a picture of Robert serving, uh, which he usually tries to do it quietly. And Betty got a picture of Robert from here working up in the sound booth. We should have a Robert photo contest. That'd be really cool. <laughs> this would be the awesomest thing ever, like the best photo of Robert working. He's like, nope, nope. Yeah, where's Robert? Where in the beat is Robert Goodman? <laughs> Followed by the cartoon that's coming out, the animated series. Uh, all right, let's pray. We'll jump in the word. Uh, Easter is incredible time. We're going to do Easter today different. I told my wife when I was laying in bed last night, I said, we're probably the only, we might be the only church doing Easter this way. And I thought about it. We might be the only people in the world crazy enough to do it this way. We might actually be the only church in the world doing Easter the way we're about to do it. So let's pray, and we're going to pray it goes smooth and goes good. All right, Lord, we pray that this uh, service would be yours. God, you said, Lord, that if we lift you up, that you will draw men unto yourself. And so, Lord, we want to just lift you up. Lord, we want to bring you praise. God, we want you to be the one that's famous today. And we ask that as we listen to your word and also listen to the word of people's testimonies, God, that you would stir hearts today. Amen. All right, so today the, the title of the message is Proof of Life, and that's actually what we're going to be working on is Proof of Life, and so this is real people, real stories about a living Savior. I'm going to read a little bit of the Easter story out of the Bible. If you're a high D driver and you just want to know what's going on, I'm going to tell you. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to read some stories out of the Bible that talk about Easter. And then we're going to have 30 people share their testimonies. Don't leave yet. Lock the doors. They're going to be fast. They're going to be fast. Like, I'm putting my own life at risk here in this. I'm like, it's like 5 o'clock in the evening. And people are like, I need to get my kids home. They're, these are all 60 seconds or less. I've bought some pretty terrible products that somebody did a 60 second or less commercial on. So believe me, you can really make a statement in 60 seconds or less. So we're going to share testimonies, and then at the end, I'll wrap it up with a little bit of my testimony, and I'm going to give you an opportunity if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you have never given your life to Jesus, you're going to have the opportunity to do that today, okay? So that's the big deal, okay? That's what we're heading towards. 
And so just think about that. Well, I'm, I didn't come here for that. My spouse drugged me here. I'm just here because it's Sunday and it's Easter. It's a big holiday. I should be here. That's fine. We're just going to share the word with you. We're going to share real testimonies of real people and then give you a chance to come into relationship with Jesus that we have and enjoy what that means in your life. Amen? All right. So here we go. Luke 24, 36 to 53. It says, while they were still talking about this, this is after Jesus had rose, it says, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. Right? Now, this is what the angels said before Jesus came, right? It says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. His goal was to bring peace. Now, the word peace here doesn't just mean not fighting. Have you ever not fought with somebody and yet still felt like life was, like, still not complete? Like, oh, we're not fighting, but we don't have a relationship. Peace here, it really means wholeness. There's a wholeness and a completeness. So, you know, if you have OCD in here and something's not complete, then there's no peace, Right? It's got to be put together. So he's talking about putting us back together, putting life back together, putting our relationship with God back together so that we can have peace. So he's talking about a wholeness here. He says, my peace, my wholeness be with you. It says, they were startled and frightened, thinking they have saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Well, first of all, we're humans, and we saw you dead. So kind of raises some doubts, right? Or wouldn't that be normal? But yet Jesus is like, why do you doubt this? And he says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So here's the thing to get about that. Jesus doesn't mind that you need proof. He doesn't mind that you ask for evidence. There's plenty of historical evidence. There's plenty of, I mean, you can go, the tomb is still there. The tomb is empty. There's documented evidence. There's all kinds of the, the writings of scripture. There's more documentation for those than any other historical writings that we use today by the thousands more. There's all kinds of evidences. Today, we're not going to focus on all of those, but they are there. If you leave here and say, I want evidence, there's a lot of evidence. Lee Strobel was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and his main thing was a journalist tearing apart stories and stuff. He was a, a very strong anti-God atheist, and he said, I'm going to write a book that proves that Christianity is, is totally totally defunct and garbage, because he was tired of hearing about it. He did all of his research on actual historical evidences, and he walked away a believer, and now he's somebody that, that pastors, and he leads people to Jesus, because there is evidence. He doesn't mind us asking for evidence. Today, we're going to focus on the evidence of testimony, which testimony, by the way, does what in court? It holds up. You have enough witnesses. Well, we're going to present witnesses today. And he says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he's saying, I told you I was going to have to die. I told you I was going to give my life. Because then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. This was prophesied long before Jesus ever came and died that this would happen. And he came and fulfilled that. It says, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed in power from on high. In other words, he's saying, I'm alive, I'm going back to heaven, and I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. I'm not going to walk around with my beard and my long flowy hair and sit in all of your meetings, but my spirit will be there. I'm going to send, I'm going to send my spirit to come down and, and to be with you so that you will know my presence is there. Luke 24, it says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. 
So it ends with him going to heaven, and everybody stays at the temple praising God. We are in a modern-day temple. This is, this is a sanctuary. This is a house of God. We're in the modern version of that. And we're here doing what this morning? Praising God. Thousands of years later, we're still praising a risen Savior. The same thing they were doing back then. We're part of this long history and this long heritage of it. 1 John 1.3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So back then, they were using their testimony to invite other people into relationship with God and into the community that God's building. On our stage with our worshipers, we had people up here that had no fathers, we had people up here that have gone through broken homes, people up here that have been through a horrific abuse, all kinds of stuff, on stage this morning helping lead worship. How does that happen? How do people come out of brokenness? How do they come out of devastation? How do they come out of all these things and come to a place not just of being okay, but being filled with joy and leading others in worship of God? It's because he's alive. It's because he's working in them. He's working in their life. And so we are still doing that today, and we are going to share of what we have seen and what we have heard. So I'm going to give it directions on how we're going to do this. And somebody was telling me earlier, they're like, make sure everybody holds the mic by their chin and like have your hand by their elbow ready to do this thing. Bump it up. Like, give me all the tips and stuff because we want the sound to be good. And I said, the sound won't be good. This will probably be a total like logistical nightmare. But it gives us an opportunity. We're not looking for perfection, right? We're looking for people that have been touched by God, right? And that's what we're after this morning. So what we're doing, if you see this screen, this has... Basically, the way we're going to do this is up now will be the five people that are on here. Now, if somebody didn't make it to church today, then everyone will text them and shame them because they're on the list and they didn't make it. Okay, that's up to you guys to do. I'm not going to do it. It's up to you. But uh, if they didn't, we're not going to make a big deal of it. We'll just move on. But the first five uh, can come up and just stand right here uh, if you're here. And what we'll do is the next five just be ready because as you see these ones going through sharing, right, just come and fill the same spot. Okay, when you share, you'll just come stand right behind this. Okay, at 60 seconds or less, if I've got a real, uh, just a real OCD control person out here and you want to set your stopwatch and scream out when they hit 60 seconds, stop! You could do that, but if they're crying and emotional, maybe you shouldn't do that. I don't know. So, does everybody get that? So, up next would be, these are the five now. Up next would be Jesse, Cami, Jeremiah, Randall, and Madison. So, you guys will be ready. When you see this line starting to shrink, you guys go up and go wait in line, okay? It's kind of like being at uh, Six Flags. Right? Just ready, only more scarier or less scary, depending on your personality. All right, Brandon, come on up. But before you come, we're going to pray, and we're just going to ask that God would uh, allow us to hear and allow them to speak freely so that they don't feel uh, anything in the way. They can just share from their heart. Amen? Father, we just give this to you, and we ask that you touch this time, Lord, that you would cause each person, Lord, to share what you'd have them share and just to be comfortable and at peace in it. Amen. Uh... I'm Brandon. Um, you know, I've uh, been thinking about this all week. And, uh, you know, just real quick, my testimony goes like this. Um, abused, check. Abuser, check. Addicted pornography, check. Alcoholism, drug addict, check, check. You know, um, out of all the Ten Commandments, I probably, you know, hit all of them and you know thou shalt not commit murder I was dead to Christ I was dead to God so I checked that box off too you know 
I woke up this morning at six o'clock this morning and uh, I got called to this scripture. It said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he is the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become righteousness of God. It was only through his grace, you know, that that power that uh, through resurrection, you know, that was instilled in me a few years ago when I started attending this church that changed my life. You know, I have my family back. I have my relationships back. And uh, this person that I was, um, I tried to do everything on my own my whole life. I didn't have no rules, no boundaries. I ran away from home at the age of 12. And uh, now I'm different. And if you've ever experienced that touch, it's something beyond anything that I could ever say. It's something beyond anything that I could ever imagine because it's an experience. And I'm just thankful. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for what God has brought me all the way through so that I could have this microphone in my hand right now because this is his glory. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Good. <laughs> okay, so I have a long list, but I'm not going to cover it today. There's been lots of healings, lots of miracles in my life, but I think one of the greatest miracles um, is the way that Jesus has saved me and has sustained me throughout my life. And um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13 in uh, middle school, high school. And um, throughout that journey, I was um, at this church, and I was a part of this church with lots of amazing people. And I got into some really unhealthy patterns as far as I was addicted to religion. And what I mean by that is that I had to have my life perfect. I had to, I was, I had to be perfect and in order to relate to God. I thought being in a relationship with God meant that I had to read my Bible every single day. I had to pray a certain way. I had to do this and I had to do that. And I had to do all these things so that I could have this relationship with God. And it ended up feeling, I ended up feeling very empty and alone because that's not how we get to relate to God. The reason why we're here today is like what Courtney said, because Jesus paid the price. Amen. I didn't have anything to offer. I had lint in my pockets to pay the price. But Jesus comes, he came, and he paid the full price for me. And it says in Ephesians, it says that, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's nothing that I can do. I didn't earn God's love. And when I realized that, there was a whole weight that came off of me, that I don't have to perform a certain way. I don't have to do certain things in order for God to love me. There's this saying that, oh, there's nothing that you could do to make God love you any less. But on the flip side, there's also nothing you can do to earn his love. Like if you really think about that, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. God loves you for who you are, what you've been through, what you're doing today, where you're at today. God loves you immensely. And so that is my testimony. Amen. 
sorry, I'm kind of nervous. Um, so I grew up in a broken household. Um, my mom was a single parent. I've always promised myself I was never gonna do anything like that. And then I wound up marrying this guy. He wound up being exactly like my father. And now I'm actually doing what she was doing. The only difference is, is that I'm trying to be more open and honest with my children and, you know, just showing them, hey, you can do this. And I'm, you know, grateful, you know, I took a big leap of faith when I moved here from El Paso a couple years ago. I'm lucky I found this church because it always seems to like speak to me, the, the, the sermons and everything. And I'm trying to, you know, be my, be the best parent I can and just be the best person I can. And I'm slowly getting there. So that's pretty much my testimony. Amen. I'm super nervous too. I've never done anything like this before, so. When yeah. I preach from now on, I want to have a side stander that stands by me and makes me more comfortable. It's amazing. Would you do that for me, Kyle? I need somebody shorter than me so I feel bigger. I don't want to feel like your kid. I just want to be more comforted. So work on it. Well, long story short, since we're trying to keep this short, um, I've been looking for peace in my life over a certain situation for probably 15 plus years, and I was trying to find that peace without God. Um, I was battling with drinking and sometimes doing drugs, and I was in very toxic relationships with people, um, probably people just as broken as me or more, and I feel like I was trying to fix them and things like that to kind of keep the focus off myself, I guess. Um, but just recently, I was actually able to face the person that caused me the pain that I feel and that peace I have it and I've never had it before and it's just really really difficult to talk about but um, I I just struggled for so long I couldn't even go home it was my dad I could never face him and go home and like look at him because I was so hurt by him but I still wanted to come home and see my brother and my sister and my mom because I'm so close to them but they knew what happened to me and they were still around you know and I still wanted to be close to them and I couldn't because I couldn't be around him <sighs> sorry feels good to actually, I can pray for my dad every night and not have anger. Amen. I can pray for him every night and plead the blood of Jesus over him and not have anger, not want ill things towards him. My dad is also a minister. He's a preacher. And he, he sexually abused me when I was 12 years old. So it feels good to actually finally find that peace in God is the reason because I could not ever get it otherwise. Amen. And I tried for so long. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that. Okay. Yeah, we'll go that way. <laughs> good morning. The good thing about multiple testimonies is what? Oh, no, she's okay. The good thing about multiple testimonies is sometimes in a church, you, you, you know, unless you're meeting uh, specifically with certain people on the stage, you may only hear a few different style of testimonies. And sometimes um, 
they, sometimes you may not relate with those testimonies. That can be true. And even though it's great God's working in their lives, I, I think the, the, the way God works in so many different people's lives is so that we can relate. And, you know, uh, I came from a family, a history line that were not people that served God. They were not Christians. And after a horrible divorce of my parents when I was little, my mom gave her life to Jesus and got us involved in church. I mean, it was gung-ho. You know, she ran the show and we were all at church. And I remember as a little boy learning the stories of Jesus, you know, by the time I was five and just falling in love with God and Jesus and believing but then, I don't know, time happened, you know, puberty happened, and I just got tired of church. I got tired of doing, thing God, doing things God's way, and I'll be honest, vices loved me, and I love vices, and I felt like, well, God, if I'm with you, I can't do this, and I don't want to live that, you know, lifestyle, and probably, you know, by the time I was 21, I was getting ready to get married, and my life still was not fulfilled. I, I had even quit cold turkey certain addictions, and I thought I was doing good. I'm engaged now. I have my own apartment. You know, I just felt things were okay in the world's eyes, but there was something still missing, and, it, and God took me on a journey, and I was still too proud to go to church when my brother would invite me, and the way God works is it was 11 o'clock at night watching the 700 Club, Okay. <laughs> And somebody gave the gospel message, which I'd heard a thousand times, and, and the, from the best preachers to whoever, I've just heard it, and for some reason, that night, it, I responded, and it spoke to me, and I knew I was, you know, I, I knew I needed God, and so I humbled myself, and right there in that room, and I, I didn't see angels, they didn't come down, a light didn't happen, but I knew right away I was right with God, and there was something that started to, to blossom, and it grew from there. And that's just a short snippet, but since then, life hasn't always been perfect. There's been hard times. My faith, I've even questioned after that sometimes and said, God, are you still there? Are you still working the same way you were? And, is it, and God is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful, even when we question sometimes. And I want to encourage you in that. And God's good. Amen? Amen. I try to do this I get so nervous and I cry <laughs> um, my dad gave me two minutes to prepare he told me two minutes before worship um, <laughs> so just uh, everybody close your eyes <laughs> okay they can't see you now you're good <laughs> um, okay so some some people know this about me some people don't but um, well I guess I just always tried to grow up really, really fast. I mean, both my sisters are like five years older than me. I was always trying to, you know, catch up. And um, it's like, just when teenagers try to grow up too fast, they make really dumb decisions. And I'm shaking. You want Jenna to come up? <laughs> Sorry. It's not that emotional. I'm just having like an anxiety attack. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> you can do it. So much. Okay. I'll be here, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have as nice a hair, but I'm here. Okay, I'm just going to turn around. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 
Okay. So basically, I just tried to grow up way too fast and made a lot of dumb decisions that I was very shameful of. And I was very shameful to even, you know, talk to my parents about it because they're pastors. And so I was just, I was very, very shameful. And I didn't think that that, you know, would ever go away or there was anything I could do. I just, and basically my parents found out about some of the dumb stuff I did. And then they weren't, they didn't shame me for it. They weren't like, they didn't make me feel as bad as like I felt and they just talked to me about God and like all my shame went away and there's this verse in Isaiah I don't know how to read the chapter numbers but it's like 57 or something but um it's like um but the Lord God helps me therefore I have not been disgraced therefore I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame and just now if anyone because people found out and people know some of the dumb stuff I used to do and if anyone ever tries to make me feel bad it's just like they can't like I don't I just know that I've changed and that God loves me and just no one can put me to shame for it because God saved me and God does not want me to be ashamed of my past amen amen all right Okay. <laughs> all right, Jeremiah. Yeah, I didn't prepare at all, and I had a week. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so I grew up in a in a very Christian home, and you know I had a good upbringing up until you know I was about in middle school, and my parents ended up splitting up. And uh, for the longest time, I I gave my all to Christ and everything, and I tried my best to to be a good Christian and do good Christian things. But around, you know, ending high school, I just kind of just stopped everything. I just kind of went through a halt of depression, a halt of anxiety that made me stop going to church for a couple years. And I just, I would go every once in a while because my parents would make me, but I just wasn't involved. I was like, I started reading certain articles that kind of got me into the atheistic mindset. And I was kind of trying to find contradictions in the Bible and uh, eventually I just kind of gave up and I'm just like, I just gave up on God completely. And I started drinking a lot. I started um, kind of becoming a womanizer. Like I was going between, you know, just all kinds of different people and disrespecting them. And it was something that I was super ashamed of. And I just kept doing it because I was trying to fill that hole, fill that gap inside that I couldn't, like I just couldn't feel complete. And uh, one of my buddies, maybe six or seven months ago, actually it was around July, so almost a year ago, basically. He sat me down, he, uh, I used to go to church with him, we were in the same community group together, and he basically, uh, he invited me out to mini golf. He showed me the love of Christ. He showed me that, uh, that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what addictions I'm dealing with, that you know he can get me back on the right path. He, uh, he ended up blessing me immensely that day by, uh, by basically just taking me out, taking me and showing me that I have friends that support me and love me. And that was meant more than anything in my life. Like, it was insane, more, more than any of the relationships I've ever had with any women. And uh, I eventually came back to ch church, and uh, God told me 
as I was going to this new church when I was living in Lubbock to move here, to move to Austin. And I'm just like, I really want to. This is a great place for one. I mean, there's so many cool things to do here, but there were just so many things holding me back, my anxiety, me getting in my comfort zone and just not wanting to um, open myself up to the world. And eventually I decided to listen to God, listen to his calling me to move here. And I got baptized on, in November for the second time. First time I was six years old. Second time I actually meant it and wanted to give my all. And after that, I've just, it's just been a clean slate for me. And I have Amen. been struggling in some certain areas like everybody does, but I'm still working on it. And I know because of that, I'm becoming a better person through him. Amen. That's good. Thank you, Jeremiah. God is so good, you guys. Um, so I just want you to know it's okay to only have a little faith. I only had a little faith when I decided to change how I was living my life. That little bit of faith was enough. It was enough to say no enough times. And now I am sober, all caps. Um, my, little, <laughs> my little faith is no longer little. I no longer care what this world thinks of me because I know what my father thinks of me. Amen. <laughs> His opinion is the only one that I allow to hold any real weight in my life. I know that I'm walking in God's will for my life because I see him moving all the time. I was lost, I was sad, I was broken, but now, now I'm found. Amen. I'm happy, I'm healed. I know who I am because I am called and I am chosen. Yes, God chose me. He has chosen me to help others find themselves outside of addiction and in God's love and grace. I am called to pick up others who have fallen and cannot get back up on their own. God brought me you as a church and many others before you to give me a hand when I had fallen and couldn't stand on my own. And now it's my turn. I get to repay God in the only way I can by showing others his love and mercy that has absolutely changed my life. And I don't think it's by chance that I get to give my testimony today on Resurrection Sunday. No, I believe it's because it's another piece of my testimony that I get to share God's strength, love, and his borrowed confidence that has stirred in my knees to stand here before you as a new creation in Christ. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you, Madison. Randall's going to do an interpretive dance testimony. <laughs> um, I was actually still, when I was standing there, I was still thinking about what I was going to give as my testimony. Um, pretty much all started when I was 15. I was sexually abused, and I spent the next 23 years just thinking about me, you know, sexualizing women, drinking, doing stupid things in my life. Um, I remember I was in Texarkana, and my wife had gotten me to go back to church. And um, the pastor, I don't know how God did it, but he was able to literally speak word for word what I was thinking. And it happened two or three times. I finally said, you know what, Hell, I hear you. So I gave my life to the Lord then. And uh, later on that year, we had a men's retreat. And uh, there was an exercise they were doing where 
They had surrogate fathers where you would go up there and you would literally just dump on them everything that they ever did to you in your life. And God kept saying, you know, you need to get up there. I was like, for what? He said, my dad was great. He said, no, you need to get up there. You need to tell them what happened to you when you were 15. And um, I did that. And when I finally released everything, I cried like a baby for several minutes. But from that point on, I've been totally free from that. Amen. And I can talk about that today, and it has no effect on me. I can share it with people and, and tell them what happened to me and what, what it took for me to, to overcome that. Amen. God's good. Thank you, Randall. Is this your exercise to see who's a good preacher? Because, like, yeah. Yeah, this is, we've yeah. got a lot of good preachers in here. Uh, this is a lot harder to do than sing for me. But uh, uh, so I grew up in the church. Um, and hi, I love you too. Uh, <laughs> pretty much thought everything was great. My upbringing was awesome. Didn't really think much was like bad. I saw all my friends around me that like had divorced parents, all this stuff. And uh, then towards the end of my high school, some things started getting weird and my parents split. My brother shared a little bit about it. But, uh, and that's when I realized I don't deal with things. <laughs> so I just hold it, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, you know, for like three or four years until it just hits. And uh, did just, just went down a path of suppression and uh, all these things. And uh, so I always see these people who, with these stories of like, uh, oh, man, I used to be in sin, and then I got saved, and then just, you know, just went off and stuff. Mine will was, while I was a believer, I still, like, did messed up stuff. And so it was hard for me to accept grace. But just through reading scripture and stuff, knowing that God's grace is a sufficient. It doesn't say just for the non-believer. It doesn't say, you know, like, we're going to mess up, you know, even after we know Christ. And uh, I just really, like, sat on that, and it's taken a long process, but uh, he saves, <laughs> like, period. Jesus saves. And, uh, and so to allow that grace that I was, like, allowing for other people's stories and stuff to, like, allow that grace to hit me, um, I really struggle with the love concept of God, which is, like, who he is. <laughs> like, I just, I, like, I see the rules, and I'm like, oh, I fear you and all this stuff, but he loves me. And, like, that's, like, really hard for me to accept. And uh, honestly, like, in the last six months, that's been a really big thing uh, just with talking to people here uh, and just, like, accepting that God loves you. He wants to know you. And uh, not just you, but me. Like, he wants to know me. And, like, so that's huge for me. But anyway. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> okay, I'll try to make it short. Um, my parents, uh, they lost uh, two boys, their kids, uh, before I was even born. And um, which, when they had me, uh, they were very protective. I never was able to do anything, go anywhere. Um, and uh, so I was alone. And I, I fought for a relationship my whole life. When the entire time God was with me, he wanted a relationship. And I didn't know how to even, like, 
find it. And as I got older, I just kept seeking relationships because I didn't want to be alone. And it just put more bondage on me and more bondage on me. And I know that the whole time God was like, just come to me. And it wasn't until this past couple of years of being at the Beef Church, God was just like, okay, you're in this environment, just open up. And I have, and I'm so grateful for it. <laughs> because I don't feel alone anymore. have this relationship with Christ that is just so beautiful. <laughs> and the people around me, it's, it's just wonderful. And I, my testimony isn't start to finish because it's just going to keep going. <sighs> and I just have more and more to tell people because I didn't start then. I didn't finish it. Keep going. And, uh, and sorry. God is amazing. I'm so grateful for y'all. Amen. Thank you, Betty. Check, check. Uh, okay, so one of the main things for me is how I'm feeling presence-wise if I'm walking with God versus if I'm walking by myself. If I'm walking with God, I'm feeling happier. I'm not missing assignments. My relationships with friends are a lot better. And as soon as I stop, I feel my life going downhill. And I start train wrecking. And I'm trying to figure it out. Why is this happening to me? Why, why, why? And then it finally hits me. I need to turn to God. And I'm turning. I'm saying, well, why is he going to accept me now? Because I just walked away from him. And I look, and he's standing there with arms open saying, come here. I'm ready for you. And as soon as you go back to it, the moment you do, you start getting your life better. You start getting in check. I start getting my assignments done on time. My relationships are with my friends are restored because I just left them to just play Xbox all day because that's what I do. <laughs> and it's, it's true. Uh, but yeah, so the moment that you, I saw that my life was directly affected because of the love of God and the presence within me, then I said, okay, I need to spend all of my time trying to represent him. And I started being more joyful. And I'd go to school and my friends would ask me, they're like, why are you so joyful all the time? And I said, it's not because of something that I do. It is because of something that God does through me. Amen. Yeah, so that's my... That's good. Yeah, thank you, Silas. I like the whole turn my back thing. <laughs> so, and if my eye starts watering, it's because I'm not crying, I promise. Because I'm tough, right? Yeah. So my name is Brett. Um, I accepted Christ probably, I don't know, 1992, so my senior year in high school. I had some friends that invited me and everything like that. And I was all gung-ho, and I was that new Christian guy, and I was all about it. And then I just forgot. 
You ever forget? I did. I forgot about God. Forgot about all the good things that he did. Helped me through addiction. Helped me through other stuff. Uh, took me out of bad situations and did whatever. I forgot. And I did this. I don't need you, God. I'll do it all on my own. <clears throat> so for years and years, I, I dwell just in this emptiness. And uh, it hit really bad about three years ago. I became super depressed. I, I tried to find anything I could possibly grab onto just to try to fill a void. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's weird. They say that like the weirdest things bring you together, but a funeral brought me together. A good buddy of mine's dad passed away. Super godly man. Here before that, another godly man that I knew passed away. And, and it was just by going and seeing those people, like, oh my gosh. And then so my buddy invited me to church. And I was like, man, I, I don't know. He's like, shut up, you're coming. I was like, okay, right? Uh, so I started going, and I, and, and I, I, started, I started feeling good. And, like, I remember one day I was crying in bed, literally sobbing, going, God, just, just take me now. I don't want to feel this and he kept going, not yet. Okay, you gotta have something. So in the meanwhile, we'll fast forward a little bit. Um, just over a year and a half ago, actually two years ago, I met my wife. And, uh, no, okay. It's been amazing. It's, it's been so, so amazing. We dated for six months, I proposed. Then, me being the really nice guy I am, I said, you have a month to plan a wedding. It ended up being just over two months for her to plan <clears throat> a really awesome wedding. And then it was, hey, like, my dream's been to move to Texas the entire time. And she's visited Texas, and she was like, well, okay. You know, our biggest uh, question from our kids was, they have Oreos in Texas. So uh, she's been so awesome, and I've been so blessed with what God's given me. So I now have five kids. Um, I have two and three bonus kids that I love, and uh, I got a great wife who's always there for me, and just all of that. And now I go, oh, God, I see what you mean by not yet. It wasn't my time. So... I wake up every day and I feel the love of God and what he's done. That's just a little bit. I can go on and on, but I feel Amen. like I shouldn't. That's good. Awesome. Let's bring up the other half. Like letting him go first was rude because <laughs> now I'm already teary. Um, a lot of you. Um, like other people shared, I came from a childhood of abuse, whether it was sexual abuse, emotional, physical, mental, just again, all the check boxes, all of them. So growing up, I didn't 
I didn't feel good about myself. There was that void, that something missing. People telling you that you're not any good or you're only good for certain things, whatever. So you get to a certain age, high school and stuff, and you're trying to fill that void. Horrible decision. Just, you know, trying to find that relationship, but not in a healthy way. Giving my body up over and over, thinking that I was going to fill this emptiness, and it never did. Drinking, drugs, all of it, just hoping that oh, I'll wake up and I'll be happy. It never works. Never works. Um, I had friends that went to church and invited me, and I would go, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, and whatever, and I don't know, it's weird. Even still today, like, I can see somebody else that is broken, whether it's the same way that I am or whatever they're dealing with, and I can look at them and I can say, you're worthy. God loves you. You're worthy. God loves you. I look in the mirror and I don't feel that way about myself. I'm not quite sure why, but it was really hard for me to get to that point where I said, you know what? None of that matters. We're all broken in whatever ways we are, and I am worthy. And it's still a struggle, trust me. There are days I look in that mirror and I'm like, well, maybe not today. <laughs> but I have an amazing husband. I've got amazing, beautiful kids. I've got amazing friends. And it's, it's not because anything I did. I, I, I can't. I can try so hard. And it's never going to be good enough. It's never going to be enough. It's only because God loves me, regardless of all of that. Regardless of how bad I was or how good I am. It doesn't matter. He loves me. And he is opening that to me more. Letting me see. The more days I look in the mirror, the more days I see that I am worthy. Those days where I don't feel it are less, are farther between. Um, and again, it's a process. It's not something that ends. It's going to keep going. Um, but just knowing that I don't have to, I don't have to judge myself. That that I am forgiven. That I am loved. And whatever mistakes I made then or will make in the future. It's okay. I just give it to him. Amen. Thank you. Oh, my. Okay. Well, I mean, I've had... I haven't gone through too much. I'm still 60. But I will say, life is full of ups and downs. No matter where you go, no matter where you are. It's, it can be bad, it can be great. But those ups are 100% worth the downs that you will endure. Every single challenge can be overcome. Every challenge you face in your day-to-day -day life can be helped, and it can be overcome. 
Now, as a kid, I, I was very hyper, um, but during middle school, I faced a lot of hatred, bullying, and it sent me in this deep, dark path where I began absorbing the hate and really targeting myself. Um, I backed away from all of God's words during the time, um, and I didn't know what to do. I was stuck. I felt like a little birdie in a cage, um, and that's when a deep wave of depression started setting in, and then God spoke to me. We had a talk. I, I was looking for a way to fix myself, and that's a lot harder than it may seem um, without anyone else without any help, but um, I opened up about the issues I was facing. My amazing mother, father, and siblings were able to help me a ton during this time, and um, I slowly turned back to God, especially um, when he introduced me to all of his amazing creatures, which are um, just the animals he's created. Uh, so I came back to him, and I'm a happy person now. I mean, I'm up here on this stage. This is big yeah. for me. <laughs> Good, thank you, Johnny. Amen. All right, and our first animal. An Easter bunny, hop, hop, hop. Uh, put the phones down, please. Oh, she just wanted to say that. Her mom told her that all the time, go ahead. Okay. So, before I came to this church, um, I, uh, I wasn't really with God. I went to a Catholic church all my life with my babysitter, because my parents always worked. And then, in sixth grade, I found out my parents were getting a divorce, and I didn't know how to handle it. I went to school crying, and everyone was very confused. They were like, what's wrong? Normally, you're pretty happy. I'm like... Yeah, normally I am. Um, and I had some really good friends in Maynard who helped me with that. And my mom was really caring, and I knew that it was going to be better for her. So I accepted it. And um, now she's a lot happier. Now we have Brandon. Um, I guess he's OK. Um, <laughs> It's nice, because now I have three step, I was about to say cousins, brothers, no, siblings. Um, and I see them all the time, and, and it's a lot happier. And I, I got to be in worship this morning and play the guitar, which I, I was in mariachi, so I guess it makes sense. I have a lot of anxiety, and I can't look up. Because <laughs> if I look up, I don't know who to look at. Uh, okay. What a beautiful view. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I love what God has done with my life. <sighs> See, you didn't have to come up here, Matt. I was fine. I didn't cry. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm done. Awesome. All right, Nicole. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make it quick. So, um, Justin and I got married, and we wanted to have a baby, and it took us about two years. And through two years, we had two miscarriages, uh, failed IUI. I lost my job because we were trying to get pregnant. 
and um, finally got pregnant, like out of nowhere. We tried on our own and we got pregnant. And um, my HCG levels wouldn't rise. They were really low, very, very low. And they wouldn't double like they were supposed to. So our fertility specialist told us to give up, just to quit. He was like, this is a non-viable pregnancy. It's not gonna make it, we'll see you in a week. And came back and my levels were still going up, but it's just very, very slow. And um, he said, you know, one more week and you definitely will miscarry, you're gonna miscarry. And I said, okay, thank you. And we never made another appointment and we left. And I went home and just cried and I begged and pleaded with God that he would let us have this baby because he was the wanted aunt. I'm sorry, I didn't think I was crying. Um, literally two and a half years ago, my non-viable pregnancy is in the nursery. And he... <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. So he's definitely our miracle baby and that's all due to God and just a lot, a lot of prayer. That's all. Awesome. So my name is Justin, and I moved to Texas a couple years ago, and I came down by myself so that I could get a job, get established and everything, and I was feeling pretty lonely, only knew one person, and I turned to Facebook, terrible idea, turned to Facebook, and I just half cracked a joke, like, oh, hey, you know, if anybody's looking for a friend, I really like just sitting on the couch, watching car shows, eating some food, and uh, somebody from the church, uh, Jason Tompkins, commented and said, hey, you should come check out my church sometime, and we can hang out. I was like, oh, okay. Well, some time went by, and I got my wife down here, and she was kind of like, man, we have no friends. I'm getting lonely. I was like, oh, well, hey, you know, I offered this church, so we decided to go check it out, and we've barely missed a Sunday since. We now have tons of friends, and friends just keep coming, and we uh, no longer are anywhere near feeling lonely. So, thanks Amen. to God. Hey, Andy. All right. Our you gave me a microphone. <laughs> when you're a public speaker, you don't hand the guy the microphone. Did you set the timer? So I'm John Ford. There we go. I got saved when I was 16 in 1976. We'll start there. Move slowly through my life. Okay? That's what you said. Wow. That's what he said. So anyway... I've checked a lot of the boxes that you've heard today. I was married, I have kids, I have grandkids, I have a divorce, I live a gay lifestyle, lived a gay lifestyle, very radical. And all of that happened between 16 and 61 today. Man, you can make a lot of mess in all those years. But the one thing you can't mess up is the love of Jesus. The one thing you can't throw away is the cross. Because you see, what I learned along the way is that no sin that I could commit could ever overcome the cross that he died on. Nothing that I could do could ever overpower what he did on this day that we commemorate, which was rise again into life, bringing me into his life. He's good. Don't ever forget that. Young, older, in between, he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can't out sin his love, and he's never going to let you forget it. Oh, and this is Austin. Hi, I'm Nicole. 
hate microphones. Um, so there's lots of things that could be said, but really when it comes down to it, God brings you home. And um, before I ever knew him, before I realized it, he brought me home. And he brought me home in two ways. The first one and the forever one always will be that he brought me Harlow. Um, and he brought me Darling Husband. And um, there's never enough thank yous that I could ever, ever give for being able to call him Darling Husband. Um, but then the second, the second way and probably the biggest way was, um, man, he rolled the red carpet out to get me to this church, to be standing right here to be able to make fun of Pastor Andy. Um, <laughs> he, um, we decided to move to Texas kind of on a whim from California. We have no family here. Oh, we had no family here. And um, we moved here from making the decision to buying our house. It was about six months. We moved here, got our first house, got the house we wanted, got it approved, went home, sold that house because we owned a house in California in three days. Got everything we wanted, moved here, no problems, packed up, got here. About two weeks later, ran into all of us, know who she is, Susan, not here, but we all know, most of us know who Susan Oberg is. Found this church, started going to Carrie's Coffee. Did not know I was in a pastor's house for months. Like, I had, I had no idea. I was just there. Um, until one day, I was like, maybe this isn't, maybe this is a cult? I don't know. Um, <laughs> And I was like, whatever, we're gonna, we're gonna try it out. And Carla was like, I'm gonna sit by the door, just in case. Um, so we came, and then I'd been there for a couple of months, and then, you know, the small, still voice spoke. But mainly it was, he rolled out that red carpet for him from start to me standing right here saying, please, please, please come home, come home, come home, come home. And ever since then, I found a family, and it's as wild and chaotic and crazy and loud and amazing and wonderful as it could ever be, and it's you guys. Amen. It's you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing me home. Amen. Do you need me to stay up there with you? Yeah. All right, April, this has nothing to do with you, so timing. Everybody else, let's try to keep it to 30 to 60 seconds the because, no, that has nothing to do with you because we have 10 more to go and we have 10 more minutes. I've been trying to think of when's the best time to remind people of that, but I don't want someone to feel like it's their fault. But with Nicole, I'm okay if she okay. feels that way. Right, quiet. Go. Okay. Be quiet. Okay. So I've been suffering with uh, restless leg syndrome for many years. And recently it got so bad because I was in such deep depression and anxiety that I was up one night crying out to God, just heal me. Heal me, Lord. I've taken um, prescription drugs, uh, over-the-counter drugs to heal. Nothing helped. Nothing helped. But I started walking closer to God. I started reading my Bible. I started having more quiet times during the day, in the morning, at night, crying to God. My relationship has changed so much with him. And I'm happy to say I don't take any more drugs on this. I am healed. I haven't had a restless leg in probably about two weeks now. So thank you, Jesus. Awesome. That's amazing. Anyone that can be married to Robert and not have a restless leg is the miracle of God. Praise the Lord. So I'm Kim. Um, uh, I, I guess really what I want to share about God is throughout my whole life, sometimes you wonder if God's there. 
God, are you there? Are you, are you talking to me? You see, I did these good things. Why are these people not understanding this? Um, as people, we always have shame, and we're ashamed of things. I, I grew up in a wonderful household. My parents have been married for 57 years, almost 58 years. Great family household. Um, and I got married, and I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to have this great life, just like my parents did. You know, great married life. The marriage failed, and I felt so devastated. God, how could this happen? How, how, why are you not understanding what's going on? Little did I know that when I was even in that marriage, just showing you how God is working through everything, he knows what's going to happen next. He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now, and he's planning your next adventure. While I was still in that first marriage, I was counseling women about marriage, and I... There was a, a young lady that I told her she was in a, in a dysfunctional relationship. She needed to get out of it. They weren't married. Um, I told her she needed to get out of it. Um, there was friends that I was praying for, for her, you know, their friends. Um, she had a soldier that was deployed. He wasn't doing well deployed. I prayed for her. I prayed for him. After that failed marriage, I learned that that gentleman that I told that girl to break up with, that the soldier that I prayed for, that is now my husband. God works in mysterious ways. He touches you in everything that you do, and he is going to continue to make the wrongs right, and he's going to take the shame away and make something great out of it. Amen. Amen. Throughout my entire life, <clears throat> I would be told this on a daily basis that I would never amount to anything. I am a nobody. You're just like your father. You have no purpose on this earth. You don't know anything, nor do you know how to do anything. Nobody wants to, excuse me, nobody wants somebody that knows how to screw up in life and just get into trouble on a daily basis, into drugs, alcohol, running the streets, and constantly in rehab. But today I have a great job. Today I have a great house. I have such a great church family that love me unconditionally, care about me, want the best for me, and I have the best boss that I could ever ask for. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful, I'm thankful for God. Because if it wasn't for God, I'd probably be six feet under in prison and I also want to thank you guys too because each one of you guys have a part of my life as well thank you Amen. awesome all right oh it's all good I'm, I'm gonna talk so fast okay so uh so just you know briefly you know I came out of a broken home my dad wasn't there my mom was abusive, and there's a lot of things that took place uh, that you might not guess, might not really know just by seeing my, you know, beautiful wife and my beautiful family, but there's a lot of brokenness that I came out of, and, and it was, so it was really cool when I met Jesus because he healed me of this stuff, right? I used to have these horrible dreams, these horrible, angry, hateful thoughts, 
towards people, towards my mom and towards my dad, towards all these different people, and God healed me from that. And so it was really cool. Things are going really well where I was being healed up from this abuse that I experienced. And it came to a point, though, what really started to uh, click and shift in my life was realizing that, like, okay, I've been abused, but I'm, I'm not just a, a victim. I've also done some pretty bad things. And being able to realize that not only did Jesus die to heal me of the, the pain that was caused to me, he also died to forgive me. And so that's, that's my testimony, is just knowing that I came out of this brokenness, that I came out of this abuse and this loneliness and this insecurity and not having a dad and all these things, not having a father, to being able to become a son of a father who not just heals me but forgives me and takes away my sin and takes away that pain and allows me to be able to, to have something to offer to people, to offer to my kids, you know, to offer the people in my life. And so it's really cool. But that's my testimony. <laughs> All right, TikTok has been preparing me for this 60-second time constraint, so here we go. All right, so I was 13 years old when Jesus found me and brought me to himself and saved me. All I wanted was friends and boys, and I was so socially awkward, and I'm still socially awkward, but that's okay, but I was so socially awkward, you guys, that I could not get friends and when I did get boys, it didn't last very long because, you know, they very quickly found out how weird I was and, you know, just went through that over and over and over and over and over again. So a friend took me to youth group with her, and that night the pastor talked about Jesus in a way that I had never heard before, and I was like, yes, that sounds like something real that I want. And so instead of meeting a boy that night, I met Jesus instead. And ever since then, he has, as the scripture said, he takes the lonely and he puts them into families. And he has given me a family, both a literal family, my husband and my amazing kids. But I also have friends that are incredible. And he has taught me how to be a part of a community. It's not perfect. I still got things to work on. I'm still kind of weird and quirky, but that's okay. Because now I have people who love me exactly for who I am. And that is all because of Jesus. And even though stuff has been really difficult over the last 19 years of walking with him, I have been happy and had joy through it all because he has been my ultimate friend that has been with me. Amen. All right, and I'm going to hang up. Oh, let's get Donald hobbling. Oh, there we go. 60 seconds. Ooh, gosh. All right, so... Um, I was the typical jock band kid in school. I didn't grow up in church. And uh, when I was 16, my dad came down with cancer, totally devastated our whole family. He was kind of the Chuck Norris of the family. Nothing could hurt him. Nothing could phase him or anything. And I watched this guy who I admired just go downhill super quick. Uh, we got to the place where we were fighting every single night. I started getting into started smoking pot, I started drinking, I started trying to do all this kind of stuff to just numb the pain of possibly losing my dad. And we got to a place where I was borderline suicidal. And actually Easter rolled around, it was Easter of 98. And um, my mom was like, hey, let's go check this place out. I'm walking in thinking I'm gonna get struck by lightning. And I mean, I've never been in a church before. And I'm like looking around, seeing all these kids I know in school. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're here, I know I'm okay. Um, and so anyways, the pastor starts talking and he's like, you know, there's some of you here that you need a new beginning in life. You need to start over fresh and you need to know that if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven. 
and he said, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. So everybody like bowed their heads and closed their eyes and we lift our hands up and I look over at my dad and he's got his hand up too. And it still chokes me up to this day because I mean, this is 1998. And I look at everything that God has done since that day. You know, my, they told my dad he'd have six months to live. I had six years with my dad of walking with him and with Jesus, watching this transformation with him. You know, and I watched the transformation in me because I sat there when I walked up and I said, God, if you're real, you will change my life. I don't want to be this way. And ever since that day, I've been joyful. I've been wanting to be around people. I've loved people. And I've just watched God do amazing things. And that's the biggest thing that happened for me. You know, I've got my wife and my kids. And I'm watching my kids up here on the stage like, wow. When I was their age, I wasn't in church. I wasn't serving Jesus. And here they are. My son's giving a testimony of what God's doing. Adelie's leading a song. I'm just like, I'm so blessed to be able to look back and say, wow, God has done amazing things and he keeps doing amazing things, even though it gets rough sometimes and, and you know, we go through difficult things. It's never an easy road. If anybody ever says it is, that's not true. But with God, it makes it a lot easier. And God's got a path lined out, ready to go. And we go through bumps and bruises, but we get to that place and we're like, oh, that's why we went through it. So that's, that's my testimony. So. Amen. Where's Robert? <laughs> I know, right? That's where I'd like to be. But with a daughter, Carrie, and his son-in-law, Andy, and my pastors, I'm here. Um, I grew up in a denominational church, and um, in my early 30s, I understood that what it was to have a relationship with God versus uh, denominational uh, traditions and religion. And that became very real to me two years later when my 15-year-old daughter suddenly, unexpectedly died from an aneurysm, a brain aneurysm. Um, that week before she died, God just kept putting it in my heart such an urgency to ask her if she ever asked Jesus into her heart. She said, yes, Mom, I did. And I said, you know, you can stand before him now because you've been washed and clean, your sins are forgiven, and you're covered by his blood. One week later, she was in his presence in heaven. And that has given me such peace, hope, and comfort from God and he truly is our comforter and in every circumstance if we look to him you'll see God in that circumstance because he sends his comforter the Holy Spirit to be with you and you can get through anything with God Amen. all right um, come on up trying to get out of here without sharing. We've got time for one more. Give your hand. Do you need a standby? Okay. Um, my, I'll give a little bit later in life testimony, um, something just quick. 
We, since we got married, our whole lives, we've, um, we got married at 18, so that's a long time. Uh, in May, it's going to be 25 years, by the way. Um, <laughs> we've always owned businesses, and to be very honest, um, God's always blessed them, and they've come super easily. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work, but they've come naturally and very blessed, no matter which one we did, no matter what we touched. And um, a couple of years ago, um, our furniture store was going very, very well. Furniture stores were going very, very well. And it looked like this is kind of the path, you know. And we were always in ministry. We were always helping people. We were helping other people. We were pastoring. But it was never our church. It was others. And, um, and that was okay. But we did have a heart's desire to pastor our own church someday. And we thought that that's what we were supposed to do. But then God was always blessing the business side of things. And then it just some you know just didn't look like that was going to be the that having our own church was going to be the thing that God had for us, and um, that was sad. But then I'm like, well, business is a lot easier. I'm I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, business is easier for at least me. It's a lot easier to roll up my sleeves and work hard. And um, but I always had we've had a desire to do this, but then it looked like that this wasn't going to be possible, and it just and sitting here, I'm just really overwhelmed because when you think that dreams are dead, when you think that God has put a closed door to something and, not, and it can't be opened, you, you, you can't look at that. You can't go by that feeling. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. We walk by what God has called you to, what he has told you you're going to do, and what he's put in your heart to do. Sometimes you don't know the timing. Sometimes you don't understand when or how, and it might look dead, but it's growing. Underneath the soil, it's growing, and it's getting strong, and it's going to grow. And so I'm just overwhelmed with emotion, and that's where I'm like, no, it's okay. Just keep the service going. Just go. Because this is a blessing to me because um, we're here and listening to all of your testimonies this morning of the things that God has done in your lives. And it is overwhelming to me. So that is where my time Awesome. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to... How cool is it? We had all kinds of people up here. Right, we had kids up here, we have parents up here, we have business people up here, people coming out of addiction, people that have come out of abuse, people that have abused, all kinds of crazy, just messed up stuff. This is what church is. So I know we all look good and we get ready to go, we get dressed up nice and we run perfect services and they run just on time, <laughs> except for today, praise God. All of that is what we do because we're trying to like fit it into the cultural reality of what we're doing. You know, we got we got to get to work. We got to get home. We got to do this. We got to come in. We want people to like us. I got to make a friend. I got to look decent. I got to have my hair nice. <laughs> but here's the truth: every person you are sitting next to has a story, and if you will allow him, God will become a part of your story. And once he does, it will change your life. Amen. Let's bow our heads.
And Father, I pray for every person that's here, Lord. You know their hearts. God, you know their walk, their relationship, or where they've come from. Lord, we thank you on this Easter Sunday, Lord, that you died on the cross for our sins. Lord, you took our punishment. You took our pain, our suffering. Lord, and that you rose again. Lord, that you defeated death. And Lord, you defeated sin. God, you broke out of the grave. Lord, and you're able to break us out of ours, out of whatever binds, whatever holds, or whatever takes life. Lord, your word says in John 10, 10, that the thief came to steal and to kill and to destroy, but that you came that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Lord, I pray that anyone who's here today that needs to surrender their life to you, God, that needs to call upon you as Savior, Lord, that they would do that. Lord, draw them close to you, Father. Reveal yourself to them. And as your word says, Lord, all of those, all of those, all meaning everyone, without exception, that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to dismiss now. Look, if you're here and you say, man, I want to pray with somebody, you guys are welcome to pray with me if you're giving your life to Jesus and you're calling upon him to come in and become a part of your life, come on up. I'd love to pray for you. Everyone else, you're free to head out. There's tons of stuff over there. There's some chocolate bombs over there that are actually little chocolate gravestones. Carrie, can you throw me that? So these are actually hollow and have a really cool surprise inside. And one of them has a very special thing. Nicole's saying no, but I want to say yes. One of them has a very special thing in there. Okay, it doesn't. Darn it. But they all have really cool stuff in there. And there's a free flower over there for anyone that wants a flower. I had to take home, and uh, they're being passed out. There's a photo booth over there, and there's an egg hunt out on the grass for little nursery kids, middle schoolers and high schoolers. So tons of stuff to do. Uh, go make a friend and have some fun. Thanks for being here, guys. Visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.